Yay. Well, I thought it's time to go live again, and here I am. I just got an epic call uh, with a dear friend of mine here in Bali, really asking in around the internal landscape, the dynamics of reprogramming, working in that subconscious terrain around the primary imprints. And we talked for an hour and we didn't get through what we actually wanted to cover. And so I was... I said, look, I'm so inspired, and this is something that I've been passionate about for years, retrieving the language, retrieving the language of the natural processes that are really intrinsic to our human nature. So I said, I'm just going to jump on a live, and I'm going to actually just name them all. Uh, this broadcast is called Language Keys, and language is key to us transforming the world that we're living in, the world that we are operating in, the world how we see it, the world how we are experiencing it and literally how we are creating the world by means of the language that we are operating on in our minds, in our dreaming, and in our way of relating to reality. And so today I wanted to talk about syntropy again. Of course, it's for many a word that you've heard me use many times. I'm super passionate about it because we all know kind of what entropic society is and distorted society is and what the lack and scarcity programs are based on, the question really is what, is, what is the opposite of that and how do we create with that language? Well, that's what I've been retrieving the language keys around. If you haven't known yet, I have started an Awakening Sovereignty Language Club that is still open and free to join. But because not everybody has time to cut out an hour and a half to two hours every two weeks to come on a live, which I really encourage is like one of the best ways to, to get the full downloads and the, the reshaping and the real inner reflective opportunities to change some of the language by seeing through some of the falsity, seeing through some of the distortions, see how they're actually not real. The things that we commonly say or speak or use as common language. There's many, many distortions in that that aren't necessarily bad, but they don't allow us to create that which it is that we may actually really want. Now, that may sound a bit weird, but what if you are unconsciously operating on programmed language use that isn't necessarily going to give you access to the things that you may really want? And one of those things that I've been talking about is the difference between wanting and willing. And there is a huge difference between that. In English, you ask any child, what do you want? Or do you want porridge? In the Netherlands, in the Dutch language, we actually ask, and the Germanic roots of languages, they'll ask a child, do you will porridge? And if you just sit with that just briefly, you can notice that there is a difference between willing and wanting. And that is just one small language key that we can see through the, the difference by using syntropy as the contrast. And how is syntropy a contrast in, in bringing awareness to the difference between willing and wanting is because syntropy applied on our human nature allows us to really rediscover the natural order, the natural frequencies, the natural way of navigating as humans. And the way that humans navigate with each other is through expressing our language, our ideas, our fantasies, our feelings. And I can tell you is that our cultural programming and our cultural conditioning and the cult programming that we have all gone through and we're all born into has gone unnoticed in so many areas. 
and where it is going to notice mostly is in our language. And I want to share with you some of the upgrades that we can step into around that. And I do that in this group context, which is really awesome, the club. I'm going to put a, a, a link to the sign-up page for that because it is still open for joining. And then soon after, I'm going to jump into the five primary imprints. This is putting language to what we are not necessarily able to perceive. And so my question would be, have you ever experienced change? Have you ever experienced rejection? Have you ever experienced abandonment? Have you ever experienced an absence of presence of love? And do, do yourselves recognize that your life's experience on the earth has encountered also a premature separation from love? These primary imprints, every human being born into the Western cult or culture or civilization have been experienced and they're stored in the cells. Unless you have consciously retrieved these imprints and work to reintegrate the parts of self that are holding the responsibility and the narrative of that imprint, um, it's very likely that you are still recreating patterns unconsciously that perform a function with purpose so that you, with your awareness of self, could question their function and could discover the root cause of what seems to be playing out in the here and the now or what was playing out in your last relationship. And I want to start with particularly this one on the absence of presence of love. And what I promised my dear friend, Brian, I hope you're watching, um, is that I will offer the language contrast that will allow you to feel what you should have received and therefore you're more able to perceive what you therefore didn't but what you also instead received and so as a small child there will have been instances in your life where you have fallen down and you had an ouchie and the natural approach for you to be met by the primary he or the primary she in your life is that they really see you they really recognize that you are having your unique experience and you are experiencing pain, you are experiencing sadness, you are experiencing unrest in yourselves. And the natural way for a grown-up to approach a youngling that is in distress is for that grown-up to get down on one knee, put his hand nicely on the side of your shoulder and say, hey buddy, I see that there's something going on for you. Do you feel willing to share what, what's occurring for you? And really be open to receive whatever is there in the experience of the youngling. Another absence of presence experience that many of us have experienced is that when we were going through unique experiences, we weren't met with presence. And so we are having a new experience. We're riding a bike in the backyard and we're super excited. But, you know, dad was busy doing what he was doing. And we're like, dad, dad, look, look at me, look at me. And it's not because we're seeking attention. It's just because we want to be validated in the unique experience that we are having. And so in the syntropic language syntax, which you could actually articulate as the language of yay, we would be encouraged. We would be cheered on. We'd be say, yay, look at you. You're having this unique experience. You're riding your bicycle. I see you. And it's so great. You're, you're doing great. 
when we're not met with that natural frequency, the language of yay and encouragement and, and really giving as a, as a youngling, receiving this informing frequency of encouragement and, and, and cheering on, well, we are going to later in life be looking for that. And that looking for it is going to end up expressing itself in unnatural frequencies. We are feeling that however we are being seen is never really good enough. Like people are not seeing me, people are not paying attention to me or whatever the story is. It's usually around a primary he, whether it's a boss that we work for or a teammate or a partner, we feel at some level not seen. And the reason for that is because we were not seen. And the way that I could articulate what would be a natural orientation around this is that simplicity of being cheered on and, and being celebrated in our own unique experience. But when we're in pain, when we're in in distress that we would also be really seen and really heard and we would be met on a on a equal level and the best way to be met on an equal level is for the father or the mother to just get down on one knee and really be present and so that absence of presence of love is a challenging trauma to find because we anticipate love and being seen and being heard and being held and being welcomed to have whatever experience we are because that's just natural but often we um, have been dismissed or we weren't seen, cheered on or looked at. And one thing can be that as a young boy, you are going to your soccer matches or your footy matches or whatever sports that you chose to do. And it was a journey that you felt that you had to do alone because there was no cheerleader rooting for you, the primary he or the primary she on the sideline of your game. And that, that absence of presence, of being cheered on, can later in life really stifle us in our ability to perceive love because what wasn't present was love. And love is only natural. And so in my own work with she's, but also with he's, in the centropic embodiment journeys that I do, there is often a, a real challenge to uncover this particular imprint because it wasn't a, a an impactful imprint. It wasn't like we were harshly rejected or we were um, with language being shamed. Instead, love didn't appear. And so the love that didn't appear later in life, we are still looking for, but we actually don't know what it looks like. And so the love that our partners or our teammates or the people that we are navigating with are showing up with is actually not able to become registered in our neurochemistry because we're actually still looking for the love that we never got and this is a huge one but i just described two instances of what would be natural for the primary caretakers to show up in in a natural frequency there also is the premature separation from love and the premature separation from love is being prematurely removed from the womb that can be c-section that can be forceps that can be not being breastfed that can be being dropped off at um, primary school and we're actually not, or kindergarten, and we're actually not ready for that, but we have to. We have to because mom and dad have to work or, but there's not a, it, there's not a sensible feeling-based conversation being held about that. 
it's just the grown-ups are saying this is how it is and this is what it's going to be like and this is how that that is going to operate and that premature safe premature, premature separation from the safety that we as younglings really thrive in and then we get to blossom in and we get to grow and we get to explore ourselves and if we get prematurely separated from that we feel a disconnection and yeah it's it's like the absence of presence of love a real challenging one sometimes to retrieve in ourselves and the reason for that is that it would only have been natural to have been checked in with if we are complete with breastfeeding being checked in with as a baby if the umbilical cord is actually ready for you as a little infant to be cut and severed and that connection having to be severed and so there is a lot there in our human internal ecology that benefits being known about so that once we know about it we can actually retrieve what is still hurt on our internal landscape around it and the way that we can see that appear in our day-to-day -day life is that we fear a separation from love we fear abandonment we fear being rejected how these fears play out in us is often not so much in a dreadful fear it's more that it appears to us in a preoccupation in the thoughts and so the study of syntropy is the applied to human nature is really the study of our own sovereignty which leads us to recognize that that is about our innate freedom and how can freedom be curtailed or feel like we're not free is when we have a preoccupation in the thoughts that is repetitive that is of a frequency that is actually not natural and how we can recognize that is that we're preoccupied with other people think of us where we're preoccupied with this idea that all oh, this this person may leave us or all oh, this you know i'm i better do it right because this person may otherwise reject me person asks hey do you want to go out and actually you don't want to go out but you are actually more preoccupied in the thoughts with what if i say no then being free in yourselves to feel your own truth to feel in the freedom of your own willful awareness of what is a yay and what is a nay so there's the absence of presence of love and the premature separation of love where we were without being checked in with not met with love and in this premature separation of love we were actually in our experience on our cellular level forcefully removed from the love that was naturally ours and so the way that a mother could end breastfeeding with a child is have that communion have that conversation and all she has to do is speak about how she feels what is relevant what feels relevant for her and what she feels she's struggling with or challenged with and if the child feels willing to come into acceptance and agreement that we're going to be transitioning out of this and our cult programming has induced so many distortions in our human western society that it's just like no it's better for the child at some point you there's all these belief systems about all oh, letting the kid cry to sleep because he's just manipulating you there's it, it is just it's phenomenal what what is there and what would really have been natural is for us to be checked in with us to be met with love and that our will matters because our voice matters because our feelings matter and 
when those are being checked in with in kindness and care in the awareness that it's not just about what mom and dad want that that their own child that they love has a free will of its own and it can feel that will it may not be able to make rational decisions but we are feeling based creatures and we certainly can feel if we are willing to navigate with mom and dad with what mom and dad are really wanting to do and what you can actually find if you practice this with younglings and you do this level of feeling based relating their willingness actually does naturally show up why is that because they feel checked in with and they want to be in supportive love connection with you as the grown up that is there to support them it's just that we have to have language to have that more uncomfortable conversation the full reality on how communication often happens with younglings is that they are being spoken to in ways and with words and direction giving orientations and declarations and having tos and and orders in ways that we would never ever talk to our friends in ways that we would never talk to grown-ups and i really want you to sit with that for a while because if you can recognize that it would only be natural to check in with a child how it feels about a certain navigation that involves them like hey i want to go to the supermarket how do you feel about coming with me oh, i know i don't feel to come i want to play my video games yeah i feel really uncomfortable with you staying home by yourself because i just i just don't feel that that's really responsible but really i feel really attracted for you to come with me so that we can navigate that together do you feel willing to do that with me no not not i don't i don't feel willing so okay well how do you feel about me checking in with you in a couple of minutes because i do want you to have your experience of what it is that you're navigating that is in your freedom of what it is that you're doing what your cells are involved in how do you feel about me checking in with you in a couple of minutes to check in if you're if you're ready then and the child is like yeah i'm open to that and so you're totally respecting its will and what it actually is on for in that particular moment and most times it would only take like maybe two more check-ins like another 5 minutes and another 10 minutes and then you can form a very natural agreement like hey a couple of minutes ago you shared that you would be willing to come with me and and for me it's really becoming time now to navigate because i also want to do these other things later on do you feel willing to come now with me because it, it feels really important that i get this done Gro- grown-ups haven't learned how to use this language structure and syntax of checking in and language keys based on syntropy are really helpful around this because it really allows us to see also what we didn't get and this is then this then leads into the third primary imprint out of five um one of which is abandonment and have yourselves ever experienced abandonment and do you feel that you have fully resolved around that and you may intellectually feel yeah yeah i've dealt with all my abandonment issues i don't feel like that anymore or you may like yeah i've really purged and cried on that really harshly where abandonment may show up still in our preoccupation in the thoughts in a relationship having some fear that somebody may leave us or or that we see that other people are better than ourselves which is all still leading back to the primary imprint around abandonment the ways that we've been abandoned is are very simple um we would have been left in a shopping aisle and mom went to the other side and all of a sudden we felt as a little youngling that we were just all alone in our world because she disappeared because we were so in our own dream world that we didn't hear mom say i'm just going around the corner abandonment can be much more um 
painful and enduring for a youngling when they are laid in a crib. And so, again, this is all around checking in with younglings, even with a baby. Like, if a mom shares with a youngling, like, I really need to, and, and the baby can't even speak, I really need to go to, um, to the restroom right now, and do you feel willing to wait for me? I'm going to come right back. Um, there will be a love exchange on a conscious level between mommy and baby. And there is a very natural response in the child when it's being met with love. And then there is a small withdrawal for mom to then come back. That actually builds the resilience that it's safe, that mom is going to come back and it doesn't have to cry. Of course, abandonment has, have, has had many faces and many, many forms in our lives. But it's always the primary caretakers that have trespassed over the natural order, has trespassed against the natural order because we weren't checked in with if we were felt okay with being left, if we felt okay with not being met in our needs that were only ever natural. And so abandonment can also be that we are left at the school, that we don't really, like we're prematurely separated from love, but on top of that, we're actually, we're also being abandoned because, you know, the school teacher just takes us in and, and that seems to all be normal part of, you know, growing up in the world, but it's not natural. And this is again, what the lens of syntropy allows us to see without judgment is that there's a natural way of doing things that is intrinsic to our human nature and our innate anticipation as children. And then there is a normal way that it's done in society. And that normal way is just a distortion. It's a false copy. It's a false narrative of the original metric that is one of love. And the reason for this is because our parents have stress. They have things they have to do. They have belief systems that they operate on that they need to do this and they need to do that. And of course, the matrix have been shaped through taxation and all sorts of governmental law formation and, and, and corporate syntax structures that are all based on a suppression of sovereignty. But also there is a intrinsic in that metric, there is a lack and scarcity mentality that is infused into that through the, the what, what I would call is the economy being favored over pretty much anything else. And when we put economy or money or any human creative fantasy over the feelings of children, then children are totally disconnected from being seen, being heard and, and feeling as if they matter. And that, that just totally imprints. And they have to go along with it because their voice isn't being heard. And they have to go along with it because of the programming that the parents are operating on. So everybody has experienced this abandonment. And many of us are still at some subtle level fearing being abandoned all over again. And to give examples of how we would naturally not be abandoned is when we are dropped off at that school and we express our feelings, mom, I'm not actually ready to be dropped off. I, I, you know, or, or the crying should actually be an indicator enough is that mom again gets down on her knees and says, hey buddy, what's happening? Yeah, I, I just don't wanna be without you. Yeah, I hear that. And you have that, that necessary conversation to receive fully what there is in the youngling alive around feelings, around what it's struggling with, around what it's afraid of, around what it's 
dealing with, what it's navigating on its own new experience. Wow, my first day at school, my God. And, you know, these are big conceptual steps for younglings. And if they are met in love and if they're met with grace and attention and affection, and it may take 20 minutes, it may take 30 minutes, but slowly but surely, the child does want to support the grown-ups in their navigation. And it may mean that you have to get late to work for about an hour. But the real question is, how do we set up our younglings for the rest of their lives in their formative years is by showing up for their feelings, for their, their stories, for their, their hurts and discomforts and distresses. And the natural way to do that is to really just be available to them. Because when they are fully received and they are fully allowed to feel how they feel, and if they are then being checked in with, do you feel willing to accept that mom has to go? And they're like, yeah, I feel willing to accept. This is the language of yay. This is the language of syntropy. This is the language key that is related to our will that is intrinsic to every human being. When a child is get, being checked in with, with its will, whether it feels willing, there's either a yay or a nay. If we then get to explore with that child why it is a nay, and it fully gets the opportunity to express why it is a nay, then after that, we can check in again. Do you feel willing now? And because it has already released its fear, its tension, its story, the likelihood of it saying yay is totally going to be there. But because we come into onto the earth through an unnatural birthing situation, unless you've been born lotus birth, there can be pre-existing fears there that, yeah, we benefit really reconstituting the original trust. We really benefit recultivating the original metric of love. And that, that may be enduring for the parents, but love is the only answer to healing any transgenerational imprinting, any cultural conditioning that led to trauma. Love is the only answer to that. And love can be fierce love later in life when we do our own excavation but it's really important to show up in that frequency because in those formative years, when we weren't met, we later in life are then still struggling, in this case, with abandonment. Of course, there's also rejection and the rejection is on our will. The rejection is being rejected for who we are, how we see the world, how we feel, and how we are expressing our will, what we are willing or not willing. And when our feelings aren't welcomed, our feelings of hurt, distress, or needful attention aren't actually being met again with love, then we are just going to end up wanting to have that be repaired. And so younglings have often a tendency to become more needy, more depending, more asking, more, more of those things that parents would maybe feel like this is really not you know, feeling nice to me. And rejection in a primary experience of it, as you know, this, this language key session is really about that, can be seen that we wanted something and, and it was just a no. It was just a no. With, without reason, without explanation, without acknowledgement, I hear that that's what you want. And I feel that right now it's not my timing. What weren't the words that were being used? And... An example of that, you're in a supermarket with a youngling or you're in a shopping environment and it sees something shiny. Let's just call it a shiny object, whether it's a Pokemon or whether it's a, a cartoon character on a cereal box. 
we can intellectually explain why as grown-ups we don't want to um, purchase that and it may be around that we actually don't have money for that or we are but do, do we not have money or do we feel not willing to invest money into that and and a child can feel that it is being rejected because it is feeling in connection with that thing that it sees and so the best way to navigate that process in a natural frequency is to really have the conversation around wow i really hear that you feel really attracted to to connecting with this 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 thing and i'm really curious share more about it do you want to hold it yeah oh, we're in the shop i'm gonna hold it what do you feel so nice about it well i just want to take it home I so, that, that sounds really beautiful okay and how 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 does it you know what will it make you feel do you feel when you have have this this piece with you well it just brings me joy I'm like, wow, well, do you feel to just do you feel open to play with it while I do the shopping? And then at the end, we're going to put it back into place because right now I am not feeling that it's in my timing to bring this home because we have a lot of really good things home. But of course, you're open to hold it right now. And I was like, yeah, but I do want to take it home. I hear you. Do you feel willing to just have it with you now? And then when we before we leave the shop, we're going to actually leave it here really exploring with the youngling what the attraction is what the connection is that it feels that it has because what is the youngling doing it is exploring itself it is recognizing something in the external world and says hey that is that is that is on my frequency i want to build bring this into my my field so that i can feel certain feelings and just having the conversation around that on a very natural non non in a space where you're not instantly thinking about, oh, well, yeah, but that costs this much and I don't want to spend that much money on this and this. These are the rationales. That's the scarcity mentality. That's the, and it's not about buying everything that a child wants. Far from it. It's having the conversation around what is in their will. And when their will is heard, when their will is received, when their attraction is expressed, they are also feel being received and therefore they don't feel rejected and therefore they probably also feel willing to leave it in the store because as a grown-up you're not feeling willing to um, use your money that you've generated for that particular thing and and you don't have to have a charge around it and this is the big challenge with grown-ups is that all of our parental forms of um, relating with the grown-ups that were raising us they were having all sorts of stories some of our parents came out of the Second World War, talk about artificial scarcity being induced into our human ecology. And so there were a lot of restrictions, a lot of the things that weren't allowed and weren't right and weren't correct. And so we often felt rejection, rejected on our will in terms of what we wanted. Where we can find the primary rejection really about our will is right at birth when our umbilical cord has been cut and severed. Because again, we weren't checked in with whether or not that was our timing. Now, it's not easy necessarily for many to travel down into the subconscious realm to retrieve that primary imprint around being rejected as a human being, being whole and complete. Other forms of rejection are expressing our will and being talked loud over the top of that our voice wasn't heard. Our voice is an expression of our will. So the primary rejection always is tied to the expression of our will, which is through our language, is through our sounding out. 
There's the primary shaming as the fifth one. And these are the only five primary imprints that really all unresolved emotional imprinting is connected to. And this is what I take people through in my training programs for them to unlock these imprints and undo the patterning with that through the reintegration process and bringing home these parts of self that are still there. And that's a conversation for another time. Shaming happens to us all, but primarily it's around our sexuality. It's our natural sexuality. It, we are sexual creatures as human beings. If it wasn't for our natural sexuality, all of humanity wouldn't be here right now because we have all come out of the, the we, we are the progenitors of life. That's of new human life. And we've come out of many, many, many generations. Our ancestry has had a long lineage of all of us being here, leading to us being here today. And it's all because our human nature is that we are sexual creatures. And our sexuality is a natural, integrated, original, organic, and totally intrinsic part of our human experience. And wherever we are denied of exploring our natural sexuality, we will have experienced feeling shame for our ideas, our fantasies, our curiosities, and our attractions to explore ourselves, ourselves with others. Where we can find this back in our own internal landscape most often is during a time of where we transition out of the formative years into more of a puberty period of life, so to speak. And shaming in that space takes place by us girls wanting to put on makeup and, and the mother having a story around that. And her story is, is that because when she finally stepped into a little bit of her shine and her sexual expression, she had a damaged sexual experience or she was traumatized herself around her sexuality and that then gets handed down. We are being shamed literally for who we are. And therefore we feel fearful of giving full expression freely into the world, being free in our self-sovereign expression, unencumbered of who we are and how we stand in life. And again, the best way to recognize this is when you're preoccupied in the thoughts, preoccupied with others, what they may think of you, how they may respond of you. And there's a fear of being shamed underneath very often a very hard layer of self-protection. And self-protection is really a coping mechanism that many humans have adopted as a way to keep themselves safe from this unnatural world that we're living in. And that makes a lot of sense. The real question is, do you want to keep doing it like that? Or do you want to have freedom in your life? Do you want to have thriving in your life? Do you want to have a freedom from being preoccupied with what other people do or don't think about you, whether they'll approve of you or not approve of you? All of these underlying stories of fear are all tied to these five primary imprints. And the way that a grown-up would meet a girl moving into transition of motherhood is that the grown-up recognizes the sacred nature of human life and the sacred successional phases that we move through throughout our human life. And that there would be a very healthy, natural conversation being had and it would be normalized as opposed to shame.
Yeah. So yeah, you're putting lipstick on. That's so nice. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Ah, I feel excited. I wanna I wanna experiment with this because that's all that we get to do here on the earth. Ex experimenting with the reality that is around us. All younglings mimic their behavior of the grown-ups around us. And with that, we are always, as younglings, looking out for examples that we may want to do something with and experiment with and explore with. So we take on these little archetypal roles and archetypal stories. And these archetypal roles and stories, then we are, yeah, we're trying them on. If that's being shamed in our experimentation, then later in life in the bedroom, we are feeling challenged in our our freedom to experiment sexually and i can attest to that myself i've i've for years struggled with that in so many forms in so many ways and many of us are lacking a sense of freedom in our own in our being in our own body being fully loving and accepting of our own selves how we look how we appear how we dress so many of us dress really for others and the way that it would have been natural for us to be met when we would have had sexual attractions or a desire to explore something that is unique to our own attraction is that the grown-ups would really be curious, that the grown-ups would really be checking in out of curiosity, not out of like, oh, I'm going to have the conversation so that she's going to stop putting lipstick on. It's just really normalizing their experimentation and their exploration. And when the youngling feels seen, and feels acknowledged and heard what happens that it then naturally its doors open for information to come from their primary caretaker to also inform them how mommy or daddy or how brother or sister will be navigating their selves and there would be a curiosity arise arising in the youngling to learn and to get informed of course we're operating in the world of men and this patriarchal societal framework where we all were born into in, in a fear-based orientation where we're all trying to protect our children from the damaging effects of society, um, how there are boys out there that will take advantage of such beauty. And we make up all of these stories, which are only our own primary imprintings. And so if we want to raise younglings in a natural frequency, we really benefit going within, doing this raw work, excavating these primary imprints, and the cells of your body, of my body, of everybody's body, they are the storage containers of those imprints, and they are all there. Unless you have consciously navigated to excavate and uncover the shame and release that toxic frequency out of your cells, it's still going to live there. And the way that our societal framework has been formed around us, it has shown very little light through not providing any language on how to navigate in a natural orientation because our parents were just being lived. People are being lived in the matrix. They live for others. They live, they live their orientations based on how others may perceive them, think of them, feel of them, whether it's gonna good be good for their business. There's a fear of authentically showing up in the world. And the reason for that is primary imprinting, and that's it. Once we release that primary imprinting, the fear dissolves, the freedom returns, and with that, we become more of who we actually can be, but really, we came here to be and so this is a short dissertation on these five primary imprints and the natural frequency of language that would be used by grown-ups to really support the younglings in raising them 
in having them rise within themselves by witnessing them, by seeing them, by hearing them, by acknowledging their will, their expression of self, their own curiosity and exploration and encouraging that. And when we feel to not encourage that, to not necessarily put out stern boundaries with no sense felt explanation that actually is a feeling. And this is what I wanna close with, is that if grown-ups don't speak from their feelings, children can't relate. Children wanna relate on a feeling-based level with the grown-ups, and the reason is because we are feeling-based creatures. Children feel before they speak. Children dance, they sing, they, they, they hum, they dream before they, they speak. And so the primary language of a human being is a feeling-based, freedom-orientated exploration of life on the earth. When grown-ups are attuning themselves to that original metric and finding the language to navigate in a natural frequency based on the recognition that their child also is sovereign, that their, that their child's life, that their child's will, that their child's desires, attractions, and feelings matter, then we get to recultivate a centropic human ecology. And this centropic human ecology is going to be recultivated when we shift our language syntax based back into a natural orientation and frequency. And that's pretty much it for me around language keys and primary imprinting. If this conversation is inspiring to you, if you feel attracted to hear more about this, um, please reach out. I'm gonna put a, um, a link here in the chat so that you can connect in, um, get on my mailing list. Like really, if you're here and you're listening to this now, um, go to sovereignsharing.net forward slash wisdom, put your email address in. If you want to just receive more gems, more contrast to the cult programming that you may not have had the ability to question, this is what I've done for pretty much 15 years of my life, but through the lens of syntropy and studying the natural patterns in human ecology for the past seven years. The syntropy came into that piece through the study of syntropic agroforestry, but I was already so engaged in the language study because of my upbringing in indigenous wisdom teachings, indigenous life ways, indigenous ways of relating to man-made reality. And through their lens and their perspective, I was able to put language so much more onto the distortions and the non-truths and the violations and the trespasses of our sovereignty, which is our freedom of our will, which is feeling-based. So today we covered the five primary imprints, shaming, rejection, abandonment, premature separation, and the absence of presence of love. These reside within unless you feel wholly that you've resolved them. Primary imprinting really resides at the first level and your cells know where the primary imprint resides because it's the very first one that matters. Um, in your journey in self-healing, expanding your awareness, expanding your consciousness, I welcome you to join me in this beautiful club that I've set up, the Language Study Club. And I'm gonna close this sharing with some feedback from the people that have been in the club with me. And um, why I wanna do that is because I can talk as much as I want to you.
but I think it would be really relevant to hear some of other people's perspectives and what they're getting out of it. But before I do that, you may not have the time or the space or the availability to really um, carve out two hours every two weeks to be in a live session with me, which I really encourage you to do. I am also making available to people that can't join the live sessions a edited down, optimized and amazingly kind of calibrated and edited video um, series. So every week will be converted into week one, week two, week three of the Awakening Sovereignty Language Study Club. Hey, look, there is no shorter word for this um, just yet. Uh, language is a little bit of an impediment and I didn't want to make it an acronym. But yeah, what I want to invite you into is to, if you're a member with Earth Heroes, you will get access to this. But for $19 a month in Australian dollars, you can get full access to all of the weeks that are up and coming and all the other Awakening Sovereignty video material that I'm producing in the process. So I'm putting a link here in the chat where you can sign up on Earth Heroes TV and you can just get access to week one right now. And that will be possibly a much more affordable way to be part of a learning for yourselves on how to recalibrate your language use. There's so many gems. Like, look, language is a never-ending exploration field, really, if you think about it. And how much time have we really spent on recalibrating our language? Well, what I can say is that syntropy and the lens through which we look at the distorted reality that has also brought a whole bunch of lang language syntax about that isn't actually full reality. Syntropy allows you to recognize that and adopt a more natural form of expressing yourself. So we're not here to bash the English language or say, well, we have to discard it all. No, we're just going to recalibrate the distortions out of our language use into natural orientations so that we can become more free, reclaim our sovereignty, and create the new earth that we really feel that we want to maybe live in. And most definitely on a personal level, you will find more empowerment, more inspiration, more encouragement, and, and more insights in how you can keep working on yourself, how you can keep developing your skills, your tools to thrive in this world of men, to create the outcomes in your life that you want to attract, that you want to build on, and I just really hope that whatever I've shared here now has been of inspiration. Um, join me on earthheroestv.com or jump straight into the club that I'm putting a link here in the chat for. And I'm going to close out with a beautiful sharing from a few of the people that are in this beautiful club. And with that being said, I'm going to kiss you goodbye. And I hope to really hear from you. If you want to get in touch, please do so. Send me a DM, leave me a like, give me a love heart, um, get on my mailing list. All of these good things are part of up-leveling, expanding, and growing. Here we go. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to um, share appreciation for your vision, um, Sovereign, and uh, being with the Brave New Life community the last few years has been um pretty uh it's been a, a comfort um and 
for me, the curiosity of language as we unfold into this truths of this, of just the, 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 the language you use of cult programming and this matrix and where we have come from that we have been ingrained, we have been controlled. And it's so refreshing to be in community where the common language is of more of an emotion feeling base because it's so absent in my mind um, we've become desensitized to the atrocities and the chaos and we've normalized it. And I think it's so important to, to, to teach, you're teaching people sovereign, a new language for this new earth. And maybe those that have been in the healing arts or nature-based things have gotten um, that, uh, a hint of that language, um, but the nature base is what's missing. The nature, the true Mother Earth consciousness, um, you know, we have been removed from her. And so it's a reteaching, a reconnecting, a rebeing in, in this place where we can reclaim peace and hope and faith and your right that is in ourselves and that is our true destiny. And um, it, it's like reparations. We're having to do reparations um, for, for what our history was. And yet we're not to blame because we're just all of a sudden here. And um, you know, for decades and decades, I've been becoming aware of and following the conspiracies and this time that we're in this climax. I mean, we're literally at this climax um, and uh, civilization is going to need a new language. We, 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 I think we innately know that's, I mean, when people go outside or are in nature or take their shoes off, it's it, it connect they connect with nature as, as mother earth is connecting to them and it's like this huge breath comes into us and it should be like this detoxing breath and this comfort feeling and many people don't even know th that feeling they don't know how to find that feeling um i so great they don't know how to find that feeling yeah and that's what the language club is really supporting in and of course i'm not going to stop anytime soon and sharing about this and sharing more around this but i i feel that if your cells feel attracted to experiment and explore reconnecting and re-establishing a, a common ground of understanding of how the world around you has been a conditioned factory made fabric of perceptions and you could just simply remove some of those distortions out of it and replace them with natural orientations you set yourself free to become a master navigator and this is what i'm teaching about this is what i'm sharing about this is my life's calling to resound this new language out into the world that is a feeling based way of relating to life feeling against our true north feeling against our true truth of what ourselves know, of what the natural order 
is about that our human nature is intimately connected with. And then being able to create the freedom by releasing the ties and the programs out of ourselves by doing the inner work. So if you feel attracted to hear more about this, send me a DM, check in with me. I'm going to leave you here with Nikki as a final closeout. And I really hope that you resonate and that you share this out. Please, please, please share this out. I'm going to get more into that orientation of, of asking you, share this with your friends, share this with people that you feel, put it into groups, put it in groups that I'm not reaching. Share it with people that you feel benefit hearing this because this is the good gospel of syntropic wisdom and it's syntropic healing wisdom. And it's healing wisdom that is going to allow us to perceive and create and manifest this new earth that we all feel should by now come into being. Well, it's going to come into being when we unlock the language keys that have been stolen from us. Um, I, yeah, I guess I've just been following you since I heard, you know, podcast um, with you and Imani um, and started kind of looking into the centropic agroforestry stuff. And it just really resonated with me. Um, and I guess just realizing like that I've been completely disassociated for so many years and it just kind of like woke me up out of that a little bit um and and I guess in that realization it's like I don't even know who I am or what I even enjoy or how to even talk to myself right (laughs) let alone to be able to go out there and communicate with other people in a proper way and to understand them and and trying to, so, you know, trying to go out there and be a part of communities that's like, uh, I don't even know how to do this. So, so this, I think will be really helpful, you know, and that's kind of why I'm here just to, to, to navigate in that, um, you know, becoming free and really being able to relate with each other in that really real authentic 